This is Crucial Tech, a podcast about technology that affects all of us in a format that allows you to consume it in the time it takes to go to and from the grocery store. I'm your host, Lou Covey, and I probably know more about it than you do. And if I don't, I know someone who does. But first... This episode of Crucial Tech is brought to you by the Augmented Leadership Institute, a consultancy and research organization that partners with businesses and nonprofit organizations to create a post-industrial future of work together. And we thank you very much. Trying to get your head around the moral, technological, and social issues of generative AI is not easy, I got to say. Uh, and we're, we're trying really hard to do that. Uh, and, and that's what we're going to be trying to tackle today specifically. Uh, this will be part of a, a, a larger story that we'll be get doing. But we're focusing directly on the Hollywood strike, SAG-AFTRA, uh, the Writers Guild. And what, what one of their primary concerns is who owns the content? Now, uh, one thing you may not understand this wholly, but what the studios want to do is essentially what companies like Facebook and Twitter and and LinkedIn have all done with the users, and that we have to agree that okay, yeah, we're going to get to use this service for free, and we're going to be able to spread our content everywhere and raise our visibility and all this stuff. But the bottom line is they own that content. They can do with it what they want, uh, which is at the, the core of the argument about social media, what the legislation is all about. And it's it's not an easy thing to determine, especially when you've got companies that are shooting off the, the rocket pad uh, like generative AI and producing stuff that can really hamper security, can hamper the issue of privacy and the ownership of data. At a particular time where a lot of people are saying, hey, we need to step back a bit. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, I, uh, I, I got, a, I got, I got um, a, uh, a pitch from a company in Ukraine called Respeecher. And they make a generative AI product. And I went, okay, yeah, I really, really want to uh, talk to the, these people. And I have to be honest, I, I wasn't completely um, objective about it because I'm, I'm kind of angry about how things are going on here. Uh, we need to start taking back some control of our data. And the studios uh, want to change that. They want to uh, bring somebody, pay them a day rate, uh, do do a scan of their body, uh, do a scan of their voice, and then say, "Okay, here's your here's your money. We own your image and voice forever now." Uh, but that's not going to happen um, because we we've grown tired of that kind of stuff, and that's what those union one of the one of the issues those unions are fighting about. So uh, I heard from these guys, and they told me I would be able to talk to their head of ethics, a lady named Anna Bullock, uh, which really kind of got me excited. First in the, the first place, that a company has a head of ethics. 
that's unusual. Uh, but in the discussion I had with her, I was very surprised by what I learned. And uh, she is a, a charming, intelligent, uh, uh, articulate woman uh, sitting in one of the most dangerous places in the world right now. Her company is in the center of Kyiv. Uh, and I, I relayed our concerns for her and, and our, our thoughts and prayers for them. Uh, but she presented me with something that I really wasn't expecting an ethical approach to generative AI that puts the true owners of content in, in full possession of what they're doing. And uh, I, I was kind of surprised by this, but uh, pleasantly surprised. So let's listen to Anna Bullock and how we go about protecting the data that we produce. How, how do we justify using this technology to essentially put people out of work? Yeah. It's a tough question, huh? Uh, it's not that it's a tough question where I'm coming from. So let me just like brief you about my background and how I came to technology and how all this logic builds, right? Um, so my personal background is around 10 plus years in security and defense policies, then I transitioned to uh, technologies. Um, and in AI, it's, it's already not my first company where I'm working on AI ethics and trust and safety internally and building those partnerships in externally and understanding the threats of technologies uh, from really kind of sober perspective. Mm -hmm. um, that's what allows me to understand what we can mitigate what we cannot mitigate. Um, in light of, uh, in the sense of the questions that you asked, so at Respeecher, and I would I would say this is an example, it's not about promotion of Respeecher as a company, though I love our company, but that's an example of how we've built our vision of how voice cloning and synthetic voice, audio generative AI, how you would like to call it, uh, can be applied ethically and can empower voice actors. It's through acquiring permission for um, recreating someone's voice. So this is essential. Uh, why it's essential? Because the voice owner, the person who owns the voice data on which we train that particular voice model is owning uh, that voice AI voice model and where that person wants to apply it and uh, receive a revenue from that. And this is essential because it's about scaling someone's voice. And uh, there is difference in in uh, um, uh, audio, gen generative AI audio or AI audio, AI voices, AI speech. And there are two, uh, two approaches, speech to speech and text to speech. So we are working in domain of speech to speech is where one person, one voice actor drives many voices. So it really hardly depends on performance. What it means that voice actor can participate in many other projects, performing as he or she can perform, uh, but already not being uh, dependent on just on one voice that the person owns, but can perform like in female, male, and kids' voices using uh, voice conversion, voice cloning. So essentially protecting likeness, protecting intellectual property, and likeness, what I mean is, is that uh, owner of that particular voice 
has a ownership of the AI model of the voice and can monetize it. Uh, that is essential how we see and how I see personally the ethical application of this technology forward. Um, and we've built our ethical uh, conduct on really as a cornerstone of business. That's why uh, we are quite different from many other uh, voice cloning and synthetic speech uh, companies on the market. So I see right now there is a division of a market. Those that want to provide you as a kind of mass market product that you can create anyone's voice and do creatives, or those that can do that ethically, this protection of uh, intellectual property, copyright, and likeness protection. So I believe in the first one is the likeness protection um, that can bring voice actors uh, and um, empower them using AI. And it all comes to one particular clear issue in regulation is who can be, who can hold accountability and protect those voice owners from being stripped from their voice data and that illegally someone would copy their voice and, for example, create some commercials or commercialize something on their, on their likeness. And likeness entails voice and image. So deep tech is about taking your biometric data, that is uh, voice embeddings, how to create a deep fake of your, your face. And, mm -hmm. and voice, it's about your biometric data of your voice because it's really unique. And by European Union law, it's a biometric data. So here we come like to two questions. It's copyright protection, likeness protection and security of those data that can, like they are out there in the internet. Of course, anyone can take and uh, create your voice, but it, that's a question of accountability. Where you should go, how you can, you know, create a legal procedure that you can reclaim ownership of your likeness if it was created illegally. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I've recently interviewed a couple of uh, technology startups in this area, but their focus is on the detection of vocal fakes. Um, do you work with those kind of companies at all? I mean, I, I could imagine you could take the data you have you have created or, or assembled, and you could share it with a company like like. Uh, pin drop or another one is uh, I can't come to mind, but uh, those are a couple of companies that I've talked to, and they're working off of a deep database of vocal characteristics. Yeah. And I would imagine they could use use your data as well to enhance their ability to determine if something is a fake. Yeah, uh, I would say detection is reactive. Uh, uh... Uh, approach. So there are several approaches, right? It's reactive and proactive. Right. I believe if we want to build ethical AI, we have to be proactive, understanding the risks and mitigating them. The ones that are saying the detection can solve the issue are wrong. Why? Because detection, detection is reactive tool. It's basically useful in investigating already existing cases. But how do you prevent, like, from creating those cases? Um, uh, well, here, here's the thing is what their tool does is that, yes, it's reactive to the voice, 
but while it's going on, it actually lets the receiver of the, of the information know this is a fake. So on their level, it's proactive. So it kind of kind of sits in the middle there. Um, uh, I would disagree here because like there are like three approaches. It's provenance. It's when you're disclosing the authorship of the digital content that is created by artificial intelligence. Okay. Uh, there is a watermarking. Watermarking, it's an uh, uh, undeletable watermark and on it's still on research papers. What I would say in watermarking, you have two challenges and uh, you have to address. And there is a huge kind of trade-off that you have to see because watermark, especially in audio, should be first undeletable and first and second invisible. So the robustness is first like being undeletable and second being invisible. It's difficult to um, achieve by technical tools right now in in research research and in development uh, industry. Like we are really working on that. Detection is really reactive. So. Uh, and detection is not scalable. Um, I would explain an example. So provenance, we are part of, and we actually the first audio, synthetic audio company in Respecture that implemented C2PA. It's a standard uh, by content authenticity, content authenticity initiative led by Adobe. It's about integrating metadata, encryption of metadata, uh, by which technology or by which author this particular digital content was created. And as many tools and distribute, distributing platforms are adopting that, that will be transparency to understand whether this particular content was manipulated by AI. Uh, though, yes, metadata can be uh, stripped, but, it, uh, but this approach is more promin promin uh, promising. Why? Because on top of that, we can build in other solutions like fingerprinting. Um, fingerprinting that we can analyze that this particular file was, um, that we find some particular file online. By fingerprinting analysis, we can match it with already signed uh, digital content that's signed by that standard, match it and understand whether it's authentic or not. Uh, watermarking. Um, it's similar, but it's still difficult because of robustness and invisibility, as I told, and infrastructure is not yet there. Detection is not scalable. Why? Um, and as an example, we are part of uh, deep fake uh, rapid response uh, force um, created by Witness NGO. So we are taking case by case by uh, fact checkers and uh, investigative journalists, and we investigated that whether this particular digital content, whether it's audio, uh, image, video, is deepfake or not. And it takes, you know, um, some hours by different teams to develop some different uh, neural network uh, models to analyze it. So it means we have to apply many different techniques to really, like, you know, identify it. Uh, that's why detection, we, we don't believe the detection is scalable. Uh, those companies that are launching detection to detect the own, um, files well it does not serve like you know bigger purpose of protecting uh trustworthy and transparency of all digital content so we incline what i incline now more is to provenance and it's where we focus more it's about identifying authorship it's about uh distribution platforms like social media platforms and tools integrating the standards when it's visible for consumers 
for users that there is like, you know, I, I can or metadata that I can read. It's also first production of authorship of uh, digital content creators. And second, it's also labeling that this particular digital content is AI manipulated or not. Okay. Um, so that works out well for content that you produce. Mm -hmm. But how do people protect themselves from co content that you don't produce and aren't using these standards to watermark content? That's yeah, that's a wild west now. So we have to well, accept that is where we are, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It is. It's a pretty scary world right now because technology is evolving. Awareness is not there and policy and regulations are also not there. So and so, yeah, it's, it's a reality. So the bottom line, it comes down to that the individual AI company has to act ethically. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It uh, has are, to. Con like, how, well, yeah. yeah. Hang on a second. How long have you been producing content with the with, with this this ethic? Uh, six years already. Okay, so you are long in advance of what the United States recently did by calling in the AI companies and getting them to agree to essentially watermark their content. Exactly. And what's interesting because uh, they call it self-regulation and it's correct name and I like that US is going forward for that. But it was already su suggested by European Union AI Act that was published in 2021. Uh, that where synthetic media was in low risk category and it was suggested that it should be self-regulatory. What it means to be self-regulatory is exactly to uh, ensure that you uh, incorporate some um, uh, mitigation measures from abuse of your technology, that you work with data responsibly and that uh, at that stage, labeling watermarking was not on the paper, but it wasn't high in discussion. So I would say that we were long before, right now, what is happening now, we were long before like you now preparing for those suggestions that now on the paper. So in industry. So if you look on partnership on AI, where we are part of, and we have released responsible guidelines for synthetic media, but on that particular initiative, we've been working already for two years uh, with, like, you know, with leading uh, synthetic media, uh, big uh, like, uh, emerging tech companies and big companies. And we have to understand also the generative AI, audiovisual generative AI, not language models, uh, are mainly led by small companies like Respeecher, like others. And we, we've been already like, working with users, with consumers for many years. And we are already in part of those initiatives that are self-regulatory, uh, that is uh, White House and Biden administration is suggesting. So we are highly prepared actually to, you know, to be active in that because we are already active in that. But the problem with that is accountability. Okay, uh, some companies can adopt uh, those voluntary measures. But where should a person that likeness was stripped, uh, where we should go to acquire copyrighted data to train on, et cetera, et cetera, is a, a big question. 
And also, I would say, like in one example, so at Respeech, we invented this uh, contract of uh, requiring consent and permission to clone someone's voice. That's a that's a uh, precedent that we created. It was not created by other companies. It, it, it was not created um, by uh, by regulatories. So it's kind of it's a best practice precedent that we developed. We believe in, and we are trying to outreach to industry, but everyone in the industry like you know sees in that kind of a value because it stops you from fast growth but we see that exactly this condition of um, protecting voice ownership and likeness ownership can give like you know um, bigger growth like you no know, more future growth for AI and more trust in AI then if we would re be releasing those models for anyone to clone anyone's voice. That's an example. And it also should be kind of a considerate vision of a company, whether there's a trade-off of a business model and ethics. It's always a difficult discussion, right? Uh, so that's why I'm saying that self-regulatory frameworks are good, but without accountability and authority that can like, impose them, uh, they won't work. So you you said something interesting, and I want to go go on this this concept. Uh, you made the con a comment that the lack of accountability is going to hamper growth. Is that correct? Yes. Why? That, Why is okay, that? That, okay, that that's really interesting because usually the argument is regulations hamper growth, but what you're saying is that lack of accountability is going to hamper the growth of the industry. Yes, because AI is highly personal for a person. Why it's highly personal? Because it uses your IP, like in your personal identity, like you know, personal data to train. I'm talking about audiovisual content, right? Our right. general AI. So what it means to create your deep fake is taking your biometric data. So when consumers, users will have enough of playing with this tool, right? We'll have enough of fun. They will understand the bigger consequences that this technology can bring. And that's where we, we would come to the point that only those companies that can secure your likeness, but also provide your um, empowerment by this tool, meaning that, for example, scale your voice, but in protective environment, you, you as an actor, you can, uh, you won't be like, you know, you don't have to be in studio for 24 hours, but you can voice over an audio book. You can voice over many uh, content, but still like, you know, and, and actually expand your projects, but with a trusted tool that you actually trust that your IP, your voice is protected. And I think we are on a moment of really hype uh, when AI is still like considered like really fun to play with, that's why some of the tools are acquiring big amount of users that can uh, copy anyone's voice and be non-accountable for that. But it does not play a long game for AI. So my personal view is that if you want to play a long game with AI, that's exactly that. Uh, investment in ethics that will take like that will provide us uh like return on investment in longer perspective why i'm saying that because uh societies they're 
well aware of technologies, how they can be abused and how they can play against them. And AI in particular is really highly personal because it touches the likeness. So if many of Latino people will start receiving calls from the relatives, but it's not them they're calling, they will feel that there should something should be done about this technology if it's not uh, accountable, right? And there's no like you know some uh, barriers to use that. There there is no uh, safety measures implemented. And yes, I believe that actually accountability will provide a longer run for technology in the future. Okay, so let's get down to the nitty gritty here. How do you hold people accountable? Mm -hmm. At this stage, we just limit access to uh, technology. We moderate uh, content uh, that is created in our tool. And we uh, always require permission to clone someone's voice. So the kind of, if you look at also European Union AI regulation that is proposed, actually we comply with all three points and in advance. I mean, so there are three points there. You have a generative AI has to make sure that you don't allow it to create illegal content. Illegal content it's it's about like um, not safe and it's not safe for work content. So we are moderating content that is produced in our tool. And it's quite novel approach because Muslim content is moderated in um, in uh, um, platforms, um, uh, but not by tools. But we already as a tool, we moderate that. Second, it's uh, uh, copyright and protection. So we train only on copyrighted data, our base models. Uh, but we also require permission to uh, clone someone's voice. So it means when you would come to us and you would say, okay, I want to clone the voice of my friend. And we would say, okay, go. And uh, we have a like you know template, legal template. Go and sign with him and with us this particular uh, agreement that he gives a permission to clone his voice, to provide his voice data that we will use to clone his voice. And we will use it particularly for this project and we would not use it for other projects. It means like limit of uh, use of this particular voice and protecting that particular person of, um, from stripping him from his potential earning from his voice. And, and, uh, and third, it's about uh, labeling. So we, uh, like what we've done is incorporated um, uh, provenance is digital signature of all uh, files that you would receive they have metadata that is generated by AI. So that's that's basically really technical, really practical approaches, what we are doing, and that can and do already safeguard AI and people around there. And amazingly enough, that's exactly what SAG-AFTRA is asking for in their union demands and what people like Disney are saying can't be done. So I want to thank you for that. Uh, you are making the world safe for AI. And I think that's all we need to talk about today. Thank you for joining us. And uh, I look forward to going to the movies and hearing your work. So that was Anna Bullock, uh, head of ethics for Respeecher out of Kiev, uh, Ukraine. Uh, I, it was a fascinating interview. Uh, I had no idea how much work has been put into this and 
how in fact that the the paradigm that the unions are asking for actually exists right now. And what is in contrast of uh, what Bob Iger said in his interview is that what the studios are actually asking for is to change the paradigm, which he said that we can't do right now. So I agree with Bob Iger. We, we don't need to, uh, to change the way things are being done. Okay. We, we need to honor the work that these people are doing and the studios need to pay for it. And if they can't make that much of a profit from it, then maybe they shouldn't be making it. Uh, that, that's the bottom line here. Uh, so I was encouraged by this. I hope you were too. Uh, if you have any comments or questions about what we're doing here and or somehow want to find some way to support us, uh, we take donations. Uh, but uh, go to cyberprotectionmagazine.com. Uh, you can send us an email. Uh, you can contact us about uh, donations and sponsorship. Uh, looking forward to all kinds of help we you guys can give us. And keep looking for this article that's coming up because I am trying to get a hold of Disney and the union representatives to ask them specifically about these things. Nobody's called me back yet, but it's going to be an interesting article anyway. So this has been Lou Covey with Crucial Tech, a Footwasher Media production. Thanks for listening.